In our culture, doing goes a long way uh, to defining who you are. So if you meet someone or you're getting to know a stranger, quickly you'll get to a question, something like, what is it that you do? Or you'll be asked, what is it that you do? And the answer to that question uh, puts you you into a certain category. So you say, oh, I'm an engineer. Oh, I'm a nurse. Oh, I'm a student. Oh, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a dad. You're defining yourself into a category, and we all know that. And, And when we hear someone say that, we're putting them into a category. Some people don't like what they do, and so they don't want to answer that question. Uh, because they don't want to be defined by what they do. But we do, right? So doing in our society goes a long way to defining who we are as people. Um, And that's true in the West, and it's even more true in Eastern cultures. What you do defines your value, your worth, part of your dignity. Um, And it's it's somewhat true, because when we look in the Bible, uh, Genesis, it's it's not an entirely bad idea, uh, when we look at Genesis 1, and, and we're going to be in Genesis 1 and 2 this morning, so if you want to grab your Bibles and go there, you can. Genesis 1 verse 26 says, Then God said, it's the sixth day of creation, He says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image, and the image of God He created them male and female. The first thing we hear about, about us is doing. Let us make man in our image. So there's something about us right there. But the longer part of the verse is about so that he can rule over, so he can have dominion over. There's our doing right there, you know. So there's a basis for something of our doing defines us. It's wrong, though, to think that our, denti- our identity comes from our doing. It's right to think that we are made with purpose to engage in creation, and that our doing is meaningful um, and important. It's just wrong to put our identities on doing. The Bible offers us something different. If you go to Genesis 2, something far more interesting in the creation story. Genesis 2 verse 1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because it was on, uh, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Adam and Eve come straight out of the oven, somewhere on the sixth day. There's no work for them. There's just a job description given to them. It's kind of the you know, you've been hired, you go to the work, go to, go to the office, they explain what you're going to do, then you leave, so when you come to work, you can come prepared. Know where to go, know what to do, etc., etc. So the sixth day is that for Adam and Eve. They know what they're going to wake up, and they know what they're going to do. So they wake up in the morning, and they see God sitting over there, and He says, come over. Now, obviously, this isn't in the Bible, I'm just trying to play it out with you. Come over here. And Adam and Eve come over to them, He goes, come and rest with me. They go, but no... We got to, we've got this work that we need to do, you've, you've, and we're pretty excited about it. He goes, no, we'll leave that for tomorrow. We'll start tomorrow. The first thing you need to do is have a day of rest. The first day Adam and Eve had on this planet, they rested. Most of us think about rest as what we get once we've worked hard enough. Once we've finished the project, I can stop and rest. The way God does it is, I will do the work one to six days, 
I'll bring you in when it's time to rest. We'll rest together. And then from a place of rest, from a place of being in my presence, from a place of being empowered with me, you can enter into your work. And so we do go to work, in a sense, day, you know, every day after we've rested with God. It's also wonderful in a way. It's kind of like you can rest with God for a day and work for six. I mean, that's like rocket fuel, right? And so the Bible kind of suggests there that your being defines who you are, not your doing. You know you've, given, you've been given this job description. You know what you're supposed to do. Come and rest with me. Come and be with me. And then tomorrow you can wake up and go do something, what I've, what I've given you to do. Your being defines uh, who, who you are, not your doing. This word here where it says, where God says, it says that God rested, the word there is Shabbat. It's where we, the English word Sabbath, and it's obviously uh, what the Jews keep on Saturdays. Um, and the word rest there means to stop from something and to celebrate. Again, I've, I've said this, but, it, but I just want to, God stopped something. He's working for six days, and then he stops from something. I've said it before, and, and we've thought it before about it before, that God didn't really need to rest. It wasn't like he was worn out and tired. You know, it wasn't like he needed a holiday. Uh, he really took a rest for us because we have limited capacity. But that's not entirely true. God, it's not the need to rest. It's not, you don't rest when you need it. You rest because it's made for us, because it's good for us. You don't only breathe. Uh, you, you know you need oxygen, but you don't hold your breath until you next time need it again. <gasps> you have a rhythm. And in that way, you kind of forget about your need for it. And rest should be the same. You do have an innate need for it. You shouldn't only go looking for it when you feel burnt out and you can go on no more. It should be part of a rhythm. And God creates this rhythm in life where it says, and God rests. He ceases from, he stops his work. And he celebrates all that he has made for a whole day. And he brings us into the celebration of life. Come, let's sit down and think about it. We can look at, at what we've made. Now, they, they had to eat, right? So during this day, they must be picking some fruit that they did no work for. So they're enjoying this gift of rest. They're enjoying the gifts God has given them. They're tasting for the first time. They're having this feast, celebrating. Wow, look at that. But no work yet. Just celebrating life in rest. And so... Humanity has started no work, um, and yet we're entering rest. God's this initiator. He's the author. He's the creator and the worker, and he calls us to work with him in this world. But he says, before you do that, come and rest with me. That's the order. And then there is a kind of a potency to the rest, that the rest actually empowers us to go into our world and partner with God in creating life. And when I say that, I'm not only meaning evangelistically, only missionally, that actually the work of your hands, you're an artist, you may be painting, uh, you're, you're an engineer, you may be designing, you're a, you, those things as well, that you go in with, with kind of a potency, partnering with God to bring beauty and order into this world. The second thing about rest is that this is a gift not earned. The problem that we have in our society with gifts is the fact that we just have to receive them. We like to earn things. And so it's okay maybe on your birthday, 
although you know you might feel like next time it's that person's birthday you have to get them a gift uh, that means that in a way you can earn your your birthday gift on christmas you know get, receiving a gift from someone you might you might receive a gift from someone you haven't got a gift for and you might then feel bad that you haven't got something for them in other words you're trying to earn the gift that someone has given you and rest is the same. It comes as this gift from God, but our problem with it is that we feel like we need to earn it. So we're much more comfortable having gift come, uh, rest come at the end of hard work, hard labor, than we are starting in a place of rest where we just are, receive this gift and then enter into our work. Babies aren't like that. I had a nephew born this week, very cute and adorable, and his labor was pretty tough. Uh, he didn't want to come out of his mother's womb. If he stayed in there another week, he probably would have gone through puberty in there. Um, they eventually cut her open and took him out because he wasn't coming. And he had worked so hard that they gave him a day of rest. They didn't make him drink milk. They didn't make him, they just got the food for him, the colostrum, and they put it on a finger and they just put it in his mouth. He just lay there all day getting fed, getting changed, getting dressed. He had no problem with it. He didn't go, no, hold on, guys, I've done nothing. I've done nothing, you've brought me into this world, I've, done no, I've contributed in no way yet, let me just add something and then maybe you can't, you know? No. He, he, well, he probably doesn't understand, but there's something about this new creation just resting in the, gifted care, the, the gift-loving care of his parents. And that's what God invites us to, is come into my uh, space, into my presence, and let me just love you and care for you. But we don't necessarily... Uh, like this very much. We don't like to receive God's gifts without earning it. We have to because it's the way, rest is a way of opening a door to God's grace. God wants us to know about His grace and the best way we can understand it is receive it as a gift. As soon as you earn it, it's no longer grace. And rest is a day, is a weekly moment to open the floodgates to God's grace into your life. Have you earned it? No, you haven't. It's just His gift. Have you finished your projects? Probably not. Have you finished your to-do list? Probably not. Have you done everything you said you wanted to do? Exercise? Probably not. But you open up the door of rest and you enter into God's gracious care over your life. If you're too busy to rest, it's likely that you have a small understanding of God's grace. So you're resting when, number one, you stop from whatever occupies you. Now this is different for different people. For someone who's got a desk job, you know, they may need to rest by going for a hike. For someone who is a park ranger, they may need to rest by taking a nap. It's not black and white, but what occupies you? What is your work? What do you do six days a week? You rest when you stop from what occupies you, you, you change gears. Not only that, but you also stop from worry, from stress, from anxiety. These things are real, they're every day. The Bible wouldn't say God's mercies on you every morning if you didn't need God's mercies every morning. Jesus understands. You're planning, you're being burdened, fighting with your family. If you're in the middle of an argument with your wife, rest day gives you an opportunity to say, White flag, this day is our World War II Germany-England soccer match day. We are resting. Argument aside, we'll pick this up tomorrow. 
This is our day to be in the presence of God together to remind ourselves of our covenant. We'll get back to that important conversation tomorrow and ask God to reconcile that. We'll work at it. But you throw up the right white, white flag and you refuse to argue with your family um, and from being busy. In other words, you completely unplug from the world. You really actually, not, and I say unplug intentionally because you really actually almost have, you, you should actually put devices off. iPads, phones, TVs, put them off. Interesting, when I was looking over my notes from two and a half years ago, I said, in my notes, I said, look, it's, it's pretty hard at first to put phones and that off, but eventually you, it becomes a habit and you start to really enjoy the, the presence of God that you step into. I was saying that in faith as we were busy growing in that and realizing it was really hard to put all our devices off. We're, t- we're almost three years in, two and a half years in uh, to this practice of weekly rest, and it's no easier to put my device off. I had, to, I had to kind of delete it from my notes. It's not true. It doesn't get easier. It's hard and harder. Why? Because every single day, you're on your phone all the time, iPad all the time, computer all the time, TV when you're not on those things, and then to put them all off again is like, whoa, how do I breathe again? What's happening again? How many people are in this family? What? Four children. Where did they come from? So you stop. You unplug from the world, and then you start celebrating life. Part two, you start celebrating life, relationships, creation, food, exercise, but mostly God. You plug into God's presence. That means you can go to the beach and see His glory in a sunset. That means you can invite your friends over and just stare at the image of God in other people. Creep them out fully. Make a beautiful meal and then just stand there staring and let, until everyone goes, what are you staring at? You were just the beautiful image bearers of God. He is awesome. Weird your friends out. Find God in relationships and in music and in food and in the sunset and in the creation. Rest day, rest is a day a week where you stop work and you celebrate the life of God in your world. And it's everywhere. Okay, here's a question. So why rest? I'll give you two reasons. Maybe three. Why rest? Genesis 2 verse 3 says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all the work that He had made. Rest is blessed with life-giving ability. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. In creation, in the creation account, you can go back and read it, there's three things that God blesses. Firstly, He blesses the creatures that He makes. And then He says, He blesses them and says, multiply. So fish make more fish and birds make more birds. But that's the blessing of God is that they have life-giving ability. Blessing number one. Blessing number two comes when he makes uh, man and woman. And then he says over them, you are blessed. And he, then he says, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over everything. So, so humanity is given life-giving ability to reproduce, reproduce societies, and reproduce beauty in creation. 
And then he comes to a day, a time, and says, this, this time, this day is blessed. But it doesn't say with what. But I think by now we can guess with what. What, what would you imagine it is? With life-giving ability. Every time God blesses something in the creation account, there is a life-giving ability it has to produce beauty. And so rest day does. Now this is interesting because it wasn't a place that he blessed. He didn't go, blessed is this garden for this is where we sat the first time and rested. He doesn't say, blessed is this food because this is what we ate the first time we rested. So bananas are no more restful than apples. What he did say is blessed is this time. And so time has a supernatural ability to connect us with God. Let me say it another way. You can go walk into any temple you want in the world and you may or may not find God there. You can go walk into any rainforest, on any mountain uh, top, into any beach, to any sunset, listen to any music. You may or may not find God there. But what you are going to need to find God is time. Time is ordained as the space where you find the presence of God. You have to enter into a time, whether that's in a temple, on a beach, in your house. You've got to actually take the time to rest and be with God. Do you understand that? Make sense? Okay. So how do you... I'm sorry, we've already been there. Jesus says... Uh, the Sabbath was made for man, man was uh, not man for the Sabbath. And he was talking to the Pharisees, they were legalists, and they had watched the disciples walking along, and they had grabbed like a, a little stalk of, of wheat or whatever, and then put it in their mouths, and you know, like, like kind of, today, kind of just sticking out the mouth, and they go, oh, work, Sabbath day, Jesus' disciples, you're not allowed to do that? And, and they, were, they were very upset about how Jesus was um, dealing with the Sabbath day. And that his followers were, were picking little pieces of food and sticking it in their mouth. That's work. And then Jesus, to make them really upset, went and healed people. Do you know that, that's the, that that was the trigger for why they wanted to crucify him? That, that was the trigger. That was what threw them over the edge. Was that he healed someone on the Sabbath. On the rest day. Why wouldn't he? Remember? It's a blessed day that has life-giving ability. Is it a coincidence? Or do you think it's intentional? And you can decide, I'm not sure, that a lot of Jesus' healings happened on the, on the Sabbath, on the rest day. There's something about it. This is just what, what I, there's something about resting with God that heals us, that heal, heals our souls, that heals our minds, that heals our bodies, that heals our relationships, that heals our city, that heals our society. We've got to give Him time. We've got to rest with Him. And as Jesus healed the blind, and Jesus healed the lame, and Jesus demonstrated these healings on rest day, in the same way, every week we can enter into God's presence and receive the healing power of Jesus in our lives. We need the Sabbath. Life can be hard. And most of the time, I don't know about you, I feel pretty messed up. But then every now and then you get to go be with God in His presence, with people, with food, with music. 
and beauty comes back in. Imagine yourself. Sometimes I do this, not always. But when I need it most, I do. Like John, you can put your head against the chest of Jesus, hear his beating heart. Feel the scars in his hands. Feel his breath over your head. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that I'm yours. Thank you that none of my work does anything for my righteousness but you alone. Thank you that you know the plans for my family, for my wife, for my kids, for the church, for our city. Thank you that it's not on me, it's on you. I rest my weary head on your chest that loves me so much. And I feel the scars of your hand that are there for me so that I could rest. And the healing power of God washes your soul. Number two, second reason is about rest. He says that God made it, he blessed it and, and God made it holy. Holy means to set something apart, to make it like none of the others. So if six days of, of it's very similar. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're all the same. And if you're my six-year-old daughter, you have no clue what the days are. Woke up today, is today Tuesday? No, Sunday means nothing really to her anyway. Um, it's, it's all just meaningless. But not to God. He says, no, nope, this one day is going to be different to all the other ones. The other ones can be the same, but this one day is going to be different. It's going to be holy. It's going to be set apart. And what is it set apart for? Jesus has set it apart. He set the time apart for us to be with himself. Uh, he's dedicated it to himself. So by implication, God has found a time to uh, be with you. And it's incredible that the Father wants to have this regular date with you. That's what he's done. God has come and said, I'm going to make a time for you ha- to have time with me. I'm going to make sure that you have the space. I'm going to make it holy. I'm going to make it blessed. And it's an opportunity for you to come and hang out with me. And so when we have no space for rest in our lives, what we, what we really are saying is, God, I have no space for you in my life. I'm too busy. I've got too much going on. There's too much happening. When we're resting, what we're really saying is, thank you, God, that you have created a space to step into it and to have this time with you. It's you. Want, I mean, think about it. God wants to have time with you. The only day that has been separated as different is a day that God wants to have time with you. It's amazing. Unless you don't think much of God, then it's probably not very amazing. Why did God rest? Because He wants to enjoy you. It's, it's God saying, let's hang out together. Let's eat together. Let's dance together. Let's sing together. Let's play together. Let's dream together. Let's go have a run. Let's go have a nap. Let's have a chat. It's this beautiful date with dad. So number one, rest day is blessed with supernatural life-giving ability. Josh often calls himself a powerful unit. In the same way, God calls Saturday a powerful day. That's, sorry, that's Saturday for the Jews, Sunday for Christians in the first century, Tuesday for Adam and Kirsty. Uh, you figure out your day. 
God says, it's a powerful day. Supernatural. Number two, it's a holy time set aside by God to be with you. Here's, let's ask a couple of questions. Do you have to keep a day of rest? Do you have to? Is it like a rule? Aren't we under grace? You know, It's important to remember, rest was part of creation's rhythm. It wasn't given only in the law. That came thousands of years later with Moses. Uh, the Sabbath as a command, that's in the Ten Commandments. This came in creation order. When everything was perfect, there was rest. So it's part of the natural rhythm. If, you can, if you're a musician and you know beats and you know how rhythm cha- rhythms and chords and notes change, uh, rest is part of that. And to just take it out is to mess up all the music. You take rest out of creation, you don't have the same song. God's song of creation includes rest in it. And it includes work in it. And sometimes we as Australians need to rem- remember that. Uh, six days of work, one day of rest. We, um, but normally when we think about that, we're, we're thinking about not resting. Can I, can I get by without having to do it? Um, AJ, AJ Swoboda, I think is his name, says this. He says, to keep a Sabbath is to give time and space on our calendar to the grace of God. To keep Sabbath, Sabbath is to give space and time to the grace of God. If you have experienced the grace of God, like you know it, and it's changed your life, and you want to keep growing in the grace of God, one of the best habits you can is rest day. Just do that, because it will keep reopening the door to the grace of God. If you don't, haven't understood the grace of God, you can't understand why everyone's on about this, you're completely blind to it, create the habit of rest, because in order to do it, you've got to trust that God is gracious, that God wants you to rest even though your work's not finished even though there's more to do, even though you could be more efficient, more productive, God actually wants you to stop and to be with Him and to be and not do. And that's, that's kind of a, a statement of faith saying, okay, God, I will trust that your grace is sufficient and real. So either way, you invite the grace of God into your life. How to keep the Sabbath? Here's three questions. Does it matter which day of the week? Does Sabbath have to be 24 hours? And what can I and can't I do? I'm just going to answer them pretty quickly. Um, but there's lots of questions. I, this is just a starter. We'll, we'll talk about rest a couple more times over the next months. Um, doesn't matter which day of the week. As I told you, the Jews keep, kept Saturday by law. The early Christians ceased work and celebrated life in God's presence on Sundays. This was because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. So they wanted to celebrate the life of Jesus um, and so they moved it to Sundays. The uh, Seventh-day Adventists, here's an interesting statistic for you. Seventh-day Adventists keep it on a Saturday, uh, very strict, um, very strictly. Statistically, Seventh-day Adventists live 10 years longer than the average American. Seems like rest is, has life-giving qualities. <laughs> Um, but the answer is there's no day that's fundamentally the right one. You have to consider how rest can work for you. If, you have, if you're a shift worker, you're a, you're a nurse, or you fly in, fly out, it's not always going to be the same day. You've got to work it out. You've got to map it out. You've got to plan it out. You might know a week or two weeks in advance, but you've got to find that time that you can create. If you have a Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, you've got a better chance at picking a day. But pick it, because I promise you this, the second you pick a day... All of your friends are going to have their birthday parties on that day. That's what's going to happen. 
And then you're going to have to look in the mirror and you're going to have to find muscles that you have never used in your whole life, except when you were a child, but you haven't used them since, and now they've regressed. And you've got to warm them up and you've got to learn how to say no. And you're going to deal with idols, fear of man. But what if we say no and they misunderstand? What if they don't like us? What if we don't get invited again? As someone who leans on the side of introversion, I kind of like the idea of never getting invited again. But there's another part of me that leans to the side of extroversion and the pastoral side that's like bummed by that because I really like people as well. No. And it's not that I'm not picking you. It's that I'm picking my time with God and I'll be a better friend to you for doing it. Then there's weddings and you must go. Don't please, you know, the worst thing in the world. I didn't go to that wedding. Why? Because I was just hanging with God. (laughs) God made weddings. He loves weddings. Go to them. But I've got four little kids. I could have, my rest day could have included kids' birthday parties at 20. It could have. At 25, it could have. I have four kids. I have lost more sleep than I care to imagine. Probably a year of my life has been awake in the middle of the night. When I hear kids' birthday party, things happen to me that... You know, if you just wanted to scare me, don't wait till midnight and then jump out the corner. Just walk up to me and say, kids' birthday party, you're invited. There is internal freak out. It's changing. I must be honest. It's changing the older my kids get. It's actually not that bad anymore. But, it, but two years ago when we started, I just, it, it could not be part of our rest day to go to a kid's birthday party. Now that actually it could be, potentially. We're getting there. It depends on the kids, man. Some kids are feral. So try some things. Try some different times. But the answer is no. It can be any time, but you've got to figure it out. And if you're, if you're married, try and have rest, rest day on the same day. That would be helpful. <laughs> if that's impossible, all right. But just give it a go. <laughs> so just, just be aware and uh, practice no. Okay? <laughs> so number two. Does Sabbath have to be 24 hours? The problem with this question is that most of us are asking, does it have to be 24 hours? Can't I get rest in less time? In other words, we want to be super recharges, kind of like plug in and then plug out and then get back to. And, and so the answer is, you know, it's not, 24 hours is not magic. It's time. It's not 24. That, but if someone was saying, can't I recharge slower? That would be so good. Can't I take two days? Yeah, on occasion you should. But most of us, are, are we're trying to rush it. Can I, can I get it done quicker? And so the answer really is, please try not, please don't. Where possible, go slow. Go slow. Uh, in California, we, have, we, we had a diamond, well, they still have it, but when we lived there, there's a diamond lane on the freeway, which means if you're with someone else in the car, you can go into this lane, and it goes faster because no one else is allowed to use it, right? So sometimes you just invite a friend for a drive, to be honest, to use the diamond lane to get there quicker which isn't a bad thing, but uh, whatever. Um, and here's the thing, though. Rest night is not using the diamond lane to recharge. Rest night is moving across all the way to the slow lane. And just thinking about the people who are in the car with you, having conversation. Should we make a pit stop and pick up some snacks? But, Dad, we only go in 10 minutes. I know. Let's make it 30 minutes and go get donuts on the way. 
It's that kind of thing, as opposed to get there as quick as you can. So, no, it doesn't have to be 24 hours, but try to be patient with it. Put it in your schedule and try not to cancel it. Number three, what can you and can't you do? Ask yourself these two questions. Is this life-giving rest for me? You know, if, it has a, if it's blessed with the ability to be life-giving, you've got to know if it's life-giving for you. Again, if you have a desk job, maybe you need to go for a walk. But if you're a park ranger, maybe you don't need to go for a walk. So figure it out. Is it life-giving? But secondly, is it worshipful? Resting is not the same as vegging. Sometimes it's a good opportunity. To, you know, Marvel makes a new movie and you want to watch it. That's great. Sometimes you just need a veg, but that's not rest. It's very hard to be worshipful and watch Hulk and uh, Iron Man saving the planet again. Not impossible, but, but almost. It's much easier to just put it off just for one day. Put on some music, bring out some food, bring out some games, plan some jokes, just have some fun. Get, be worshipful. Is this worshipful? Can it be worshipful? I know for, for some of you guys, exercise can be worshipful. I know for some other guys, exercise would be sanctifying because you'd, it would not be worshipful. It would be exposing things in your heart. Don't do it. But if it's worship for you, go worship God in His creation. Go for a run, go sweat, go play. If you're a bookworm, go cuddle up to a couch. Put on the sounds of crackling fire if you don't have a fireplace. Create, create a fake one. Get some English tea. I think that's the good stuff. And then just read your book. Worship. Okay. And then keep everyone else, uh, around, those around you in mind. I did this quite badly. So um, I'm, I'm busy at the moment writing a, a terrible booklet that probably no one will ever read but for my own self about how to mess up rest day um, because that's really what we did for the first year of trying to do it. For example, thinking I read about someone's rest day and they had got, went and sat on a couch and they were reading a book and then one of their children came up to them and they put the book down and they gave this child an inspired answer to this question that they needed an answer to and the child's life was changed forever and they walked out of the room and then they picked up their book again and carried on reading and stopped and reflected on how God was to give them wisdom. And care. So I put myself on the couch. I got a book and I prepared myself to deliver wisdom to my children. It's like I can't wait for one of these moments. My children misread the opportunity and assumed dad was doing nothing and he can play. And so they just wanted to play. And I just wanted to give wisdom. And so they kept bugging me to play. Dad, can we do, can we do, can we do? Ah! Can't you see I'm doing nothing? That was, I mean, one time. But in other words, what, was, what, what I was trying to create as a worshipful experience for me and a life-giving experience for me was not life-giving for them and was, ended up not being worshipful for any of us. Uh, eventually it did, you know, put the book down, went and played, and it was good for us all. Um, but just be aware of what you're creating and whether it's causing life or death. Um, and don't be afraid of causing death. That was just a box of ticking something not to do later on when you try again. It's, you, you know, you're learning mistakes and you're learning victories. Um, here's some quick tips, just really quickly. Rest day should not be 
about getting chores done, but sometimes there are some jobs that you enjoy doing around the house, and you should do them, but just try to limit, limit the time. Um, switch off phones, TVs, iPads, it's really hard, it never gets easier, so don't believe the lie, just do it. Um, create an awesome, worshipful playlist. Uh, because this is what can happen on rest night. You decide you're going to do a playlist. Three, three hours later, you're still creating your playlist on your iPhone. <laughs> do it during the week. Then on rest day, put the playlist on, put your phone on air, airplane mode, and just let worship carry you through the evening, through the day. Light candles, tell stories each week. Take communion together with the people that you're with. Lastly, just to land, and then we're going to do communion. As Christians, we can rest like no one's business. There's no one who can rest like us. Let me tell you why. Our creator, Jesus, entered the creation to redeem what was lost. And this included rest. On the cross, Jesus suffered because of our self-centeredness, because of our desire to create a life where we could be busy about ourselves, where we could try and attempt to live without God, and just be doers. And Jesus went to the cross to bring us back to being with God. To reconcile us to God. Not only did he redeem work, he also redeemed rest. So Jesus died and his body was placed in a tomb. And 36 hours later he was raised back to life as the Lord of salvation. Jesus died on a Friday. Which uh, the Bible records would have been the sixth day of the week. When God created everything on the sixth day, He was able to say, I'm finished. It's done. Creation is beautiful. I can rest. Jesus hung there on the cross and He was able to look at all the work that He had done and He was able to say, it is finished. My recreation is done. And it is good. And it is beautiful. And Jesus could rest. And so on the seventh day, Jesus did just that. And his body lay in a tomb. Resting from all of his work of saving us, of reconciling us, of redeeming us, of renewing our relationship to God. And he rested. His disciples didn't get it. What was supposed to be a day of rest for them was a traumatic day, a hellish day. They'd lost their friend. The following morning, Jesus' body was missing because his rest was over. So he got up out of the grave, alive, and invited us to partner with him in spreading the good news of the gospel all over the world. And Jesus continues to work to renew our lives. He continues to work to renew our cities. He continues to work to renew us, us, our neighborhoods, our marriages, our families. He continues to work to bring renewal. And he invites us to partner with him. And because Jesus is our Sabbath, because Jesus is our rest, because Jesus is blessed with life-giving ability, we can rest. We can be healed. We can go to him. And we can be renewed when we need to be.
we can cease from earning, and we can receive Jesus' gift of resting. Through faith in Jesus, our lives can be set apart for God's purposes. Whatever you do, wherever you work, wherever you live, wherever you study, our lives can be holy vessels. And in our lives, we can have some holy time to rest with Him. So God, through Jesus, has given us this holy, gracious gift of resting from works to earn, of, earn our righteousness. And He's given us our righteousness in Jesus Christ. We can never earn it again. We never have to earn it again. And the way that we start, Jesus finishes the work on the cross. And then He says, come to me in faith. And we come to Him in faith. And we start right away resting in His salvation as His children. We are His. We are saved. There's nothing more to do. And then He says, now as mine, come with me and let's continue this gospel journey together. Let's work together in bringing the good news and renewing this world. We rest because God supernaturally made time for us to have time with Him.